most of you. At least one of the verses will be very familiar to you. And it is John chapter 3 and beginning with verse 16. The New Living Translation puts it this way. For this is how God loved the world. I want to pause there for just a moment. Don't read further. What we're about to read is how, not that God loves the world, but how he chose to express his love for the world. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice and an action. God chose to love us. And he took action to back that up. So the writer of the, of the epistle, yeah, the writer of the gospel of John says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There is no judgment. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants." Now, if you will read the Gospel of John, the beginning of it, which I'm not going to present to you this morning, you will find that this light that came into the world was none other than the Word of God made flesh. And you'll find in John chapter 1 that the Word is God that was made flesh. So when we use the language of God's only Son, we're speaking of Jesus Christ. We're speaking of the incarnation. We're speaking of a God who is a spirit who is everywhere at all times, who is able to be everywhere at all times, who is not limited by time or space or power, limiting himself into a human expression. Paul puts it this way, that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Christ bodily, and that dwelling of the fullness of God in a body was the image of the invisible God. It is this being, Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh. That's why the angel said, you must call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This is not some portion of God. Paul says the fullness of God dwelt in Christ bodily. This is not some part of God. No, the fullness of the God had dwelt in Christ bodily. And we come to know him. We are able to see God through him. This is why Jesus said, no man comes to the Father. No one comes to God except through me because I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And the disciples, like you and I, struggle. How can this God, who is everywhere and not limited by time and space and power, how can he then become 
one of us and enter this world and be present in this earth and be in time and space and limited in power. How can this be? And so they said, we, we really, Jesus, we like you, but we'd really like to see the Father. We kind of want to see the head honcho. We want to see the boss. You know, take me to your leader kind of moment. Jesus was a little frustrated. You can go read it in John chapter 14. He's a little frustrated because he said, Philip, have I been so long time with you, and yet do you not know who I am? When you have seen me, when you have seen this Jesus, when you have seen the word made flesh, when you have seen God incarnate, when you have seen God with us, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So why are you asking me to see something that in fact I am the visible of the invisible? So when we read in John chapter 3 that God loved the world by sending his only son, I need you to correct within your mind the idea that he sent another person. I need you to understand that he didn't send another person, but rather he came himself in another expression. Instead of being a spirit that moves around with no limitations, he became a human. Instead of being a God who has no limits in power, he became a baby in the womb of a woman. Instead of being a God who has absolutely all power in heaven and in earth and can know everything, Jesus Christ, God, became a human being. He humbled himself, as Paul says in Philippians. He descended from his glory. He did not hold on to his divinity, but rather he descended down. He took upon himself humanity, and he was made in the likeness of us humans. And then he humbled himself further, and he made himself obedient unto the death of the cross. This is the God who loves you. This is how God loved the world. Now, here's the part where we get into trouble. How many of you realize that you really love this life? All right, some of you are asleep this morning. I'm going to ask it again so you can wake up. How many of you realize that you really love this life? We do. I'm going to pick on Brother Keith this morning. Brother Keith's in his mid-60s. Brother Keith's body is just beat up. I guarantee you there's not a day that he doesn't wake up that something isn't hurting. And even beyond it hurting, something's not going right. Some body part's not doing what it's supposed to do. He's been poked and prodded. He's received a new heart, for which we're very thankful. And now he's facing cancer. Brother Keith has no interest in dying. You would think with all of that, knowing what he knows about where he's going when this life ends, he'd be like, punch my ticket, Lord. Let's go. Now, I'm not here to condemn Brother Keith. I'm here to use him as an example. He can yell at me later. He and Brian can gang up on me since I picked on Brian earlier. 
I only spoke the truth. I'm not sure if I spoke it in love, but I did speak the truth. I'll have to think on that and pray on that. But I did speak the truth. He doesn't want to die. You know why? Because we love this life. Let me come down the pew. That's my father. For all of you that are visitors with us, this is my father. There's a church here because my mom and my dad had enough gumption and faith in God to do some crazy things and start a church. I wonder when dad's finally going to say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to go. Because in his 60s, when we talked about his 80s, he talked about like that was going to be when it was time to go. Now he's in his 80s and he's not ready to go. Closer, but not quite. Right? You getting my point? I don't care where you're at. It's not just the young. It's not just the healthy. It's not just those that have life in front of them. I used to, as a kid, worry about this. My God, you're going to come back, and I ain't ever going to get married. I worried about it. And then I finally got married. And I'm like, God, you're going to come back. I'm not going to be able to have kids. Now I've had kids. Now I'm counting down the years that my kids move out. And I'm like, God, don't come back until I can go back and enjoy a few more years with my wife. Without all them. Because as they move out, oh, folks. I mean, I got a retirement just going out every single month. Every single month. Just, just, just going in the toilet because it, it goes through them, but it just goes in the toilet. Feeding them is, is just crazy. So, Lord, give me, give me time. Give me time with my wife when, when they're all gone. It's just the two of us, and we can, we can have our house back. See, it keeps moving. Do you notice it? The line keeps moving because we are in love with this life. We are. Now, I've got good news and I've got bad news this morning. The good news is, is God's in love with life. The bad news is, he just isn't in love with this one. His focus is not on this life. I'm not telling you he's not a good God, and I'm not telling you he won't be faithful. But I need you to understand something. God is not interested in improving this world. That's not his focus. That's not why he came. He didn't come to fix this life. He didn't come to fix this world. We are broken, and he's not planning on fixing this life. He has come because he loves you, and he wants to save you. Save you does not equal give you what you want in this life. I know that's what I want. I know that's what Brother Keith wants. I know that's what my dad wants. I know that's what all of you want, whether you admit it or not. God, the best salvation you can give me. Now, I understand you wouldn't put it this way because you know most of you biblically and theologically this is a bad way to put it. But our actions speak louder than our words. What we really want him to do is fix this life. And God goes, I don't really care about this life. In this life, you will have troubles. But I have overcome, he said. In this life, you're going to have challenges. The poor you'll have always. Sickness will be present. Problems will be here. 
but you can do all things through me who strengthens you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of time. You see, God is not interested in this life. God is interested in saving you from this life and giving you a new life. This is what he's focused on. He's not really interested in it. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, he says, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. Go and read John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, the word, and without him was not a single thing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. God, by the power of his, the word of his command, and he brought the earth out from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Wait a minute, I thought God loved the world. I thought he sent his son so that we would not be judged. The key word there is ungodly people. Here's the problem. If we wed ourselves to this world, it will make us ungodly. You cannot hold on to this life. You cannot hold on to the things of this world. You, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to tell you. I'm not here to tell you that Brother Keith, who I find to be a very Christian man, that somehow he's splitting hell wide open. Obviously, I respect my father, and I respect everything that he stood for. I'm not telling you he's splitting hell wide open. I'm telling you that if those two men, who you would consider godly men, if they struggle with not being wedded to this life, of being willing to let go of this life, of being willing to have eyes that look beyond this life, all all of us struggle with it. I'm not here to condemn you if you struggle with it. I struggle with it. But I'm here this morning to tell you that God's purpose for you is not found in this life. It is found in the life to come. Everything he does in this life has very firmly in place the knowledge that this world is being stored up to be destroyed by fire. There's not a thing in this life that's going to escape that fire except those he saves. I don't find in the scriptures that he came to save the trees or came to save the earth or came to save all of these other elements. He came to save the lost. He came to save human beings because God has stored this world and stored the heavens and the earth up for fire. He's going to destroy them. God is not focused on this life. He's focused on the life to come. That doesn't mean he's not with you. That doesn't mean he's not walking with you. That doesn't mean that he's not faithful to you in this life. But you've got to understand he's not focused on this life. So you can understand when he walks in and he says to Peter, hey, Peter, follow me. Peter had a, a fishing business. He had boats and workers. 
Well, Lord, I, I, uh, I got to take care of my business. Jesus didn't seem to care about that, did he? He's like, follow me, Peter, and I'll make you fishers of men. He comes to Matthew, the tax collector. He says, hey, Matthew, follow me. Matthew's like, I got to collect taxes. I got these tables full of, of money, soldiers that obey my command. I, I have things to do. Jesus said, follow me. A young man comes to him and says, Lord, I want to follow you, but now this is Jesus. This is pretty harsh. He said, I'd like to follow you, but, but my father just died. And so I need to go and bury him first, and then I'll come follow you. And Jesus looked at him and says, let the dead bury the dead. Come follow me. Okay, okay, I understand. This isn't the warm, cushy Jesus that we normally talk about. This is not the fluffy Jesus. This one's got muscle to it. This one's a little rude. Let the dead bury the dead? How are the dead going to bury the dead? Jesus basically said his body doesn't matter. You following me matters more. He got another passage. He says, anyone who does not hate, who does not value me more than father, mother, brother, sister, houses, lands. Is not worthy to be my disciple. See, there's a trend here going on. I'm not here to condemn anybody with the struggle, but there's a trend going on. Jesus is clearly not valuing this life the way I value it. He's clearly not valuing my experiences in this life the way I value them. You see, I want creature comforts, Brother Keith. I don't like to be sick. I want to be well. I don't like wearing glasses. You don't like having to go get pricked and blood drawn all the time. You don't like looking at the idea that there could be cells in your body that are going to take your life. You're not interested in that. So we look at this God who has all power in heaven and in earth. We look at this God who says, I love you. And I demonstrated it by dying on a cross. And we say, hey, God, fix all this. By the way, my wife had no idea what I was going to preach today. And she's been scheduled for weeks. And if I can be very kind, but a little ornery, my wife don't pull nothing out of her ear. She's been working on this for weeks. She don't, she don't, she don't do just a thought like I do. I pull them out of my ear. God's with me. Occasionally he's not, and then you'll know because it kind of falls flat. But no, I, he got something to say to this congregation. Do you have faith when I don't do what you want me to do? Do you still believe me? When I have a different set of values than what you value. When I say to you, it's going to be all right, even when it feels like it's not. When I say to you, it's going to be okay, even when sickness is racking your body. When I say I'm with you, even when you're not seeing where the next paycheck's coming from. What's your focus? I know where my focus is. It's in this life. I know where yours is, too. I'm just being kind to you. We struggle with this. We want God to beautify and fix and change this world. Take the poverty away, Lord. Take the injustice away. Take the sickness away, Lord. Take all these things away, Lord, and put things right 
And sometimes he does. And when he does, I give him praise. When he does, I give him glory. But what about when he doesn't? Peter goes on in verse number 9. He says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise. As some people think. The promise that he's coming back. The promise that he's going to save us. He's not really being slow. No, he is being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Where's God's focus? God's focus is not on this life. God's focus is not on this earth. God's focus is not on the heavens. God's focus is not on this. He stored it up for judgment, and he stored it up for fire. Everything we are pursuing, and please understand, I'm not telling you that you cannot pursue a full life, but you cannot place it above what God is focused on. You save your money, you build your bank accounts, and you will leave it to somebody who will waste it. And I'm not just talking to Brother Brian right now. No, 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 it's all of us. You go ahead and get all of your education, and I got a whole bunch of it, okay? I'm not here to condemn anybody. You go get all of your education, and it'll die with you. No, 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 no. We are to live this life fruitfully and productively, but we are not supposed to invest our focus into this life because the scriptures tell us it is here today and it is gone tomorrow. It is like a puff of smoke. God's not focused on that. What's he focused on? Well, let me give you a little greater clarity. In talking to his disciples in Luke chapter 19, he said, for the Son of Man, came to seek and to save those who are lost. God's focus is not on this life. God's focus is not on our well-being in this life. God's focus is not on our wealth in this life. God's focus is on us making it to the next world. It's on us being saved from this world. And 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, Peter ends it when he says, and remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This morning I need you to hear me that God's focus is not on this life. God's focus is on saving you from this life. In this life you have troubles. In this life you are broken. In this life you are a sinner. No matter how much you try to do good, Sin is present with you. No matter how many times you avoid wrong, wrong is present with you. Every time you go to do good, sin comes up. Every time you try to avoid evil, you do it anyway. This is the broken life. This is your body breaking down. Death is coming to you. But I have a God who declares to you this morning that he loves you enough that he came and he died so that you, when you die, can live forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our hope is not in this life. For if it is, we are of all men most miserable. Rather, our hope is in Jesus, the maker of our soul, the redeemer of our life, and the Savior bringing us to eternity where we can live without brokenness and live forever. Ha! 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God in the creation, in the perfect world, created humans in his image and his likeness. We, each of us, are the unique reflections of a piece of God. That's why there's no place within the church for xenophobia. There's no place in the church for racism and bigotry. There's no place in the church for nationalism. There's no place in the church. No, 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 no. There's, there is a distinction between all the rest of creation and the creation he made in his image and in his likeness. All of the rest of the creation declares his glory. We reflect his glory. We hold within us, in these earthen vessels, we hold the very glory of the maker. He put his likeness in us. That's why I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care the accent of your language. I don't care what language it is. I don't care your nation of origin. I don't care what the reputation of your people is or is not. In the house of God, we are all humans, men and women, boys and girls. We are all humans equally made in the image and the likeness of God. And God came to save his image. He came for his image. That's his focus. He's not caring about this world. He's not going to fix this world. Am I telling you that you should not treat your neighbor well? You know very well that our master told us that next to loving God, we should love our neighbor as ourselves. But the reason we do it is not because it's going to fix anything. See, here's the problem. You know how I love my neighbor? I love my neighbor and I expect my neighbor to love me back. When I love my neighbor and my neighbor don't love me back, you know what I want to do? Hurt my neighbor. Come on, is anybody with me? I'll treat you good if you treat me good. Don't be giving me them looks. You. All the gas, you can give me any looks you want. I don't even know what your looks mean. But the rest of you, I know what your looks mean. I go to church here all the time. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't really care how your brother or your sister treated you. I don't really care if they were Christian or not. Because what you do is not about them. It's about him. And he's flawless. He's perfect. He's never done you wrong. And he demands of you that you have your eyes on a prize that's beyond this life. So you can ding my car up. You can call me a bad name. You can hurt my feelings. It don't matter because God came to save the image and the image is in each of us and we must love one another. A new commandment, he said, I give unto you that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are following me in that you love one another. See, we think that means that everybody's gonna be loving us. No, no, no. The way the world's gonna know is not because you love those who love you. Jesus said that's exactly what the world does. The world's scratches the back of those who scratch their back. The world loves them who love them. No, no, no. The way the world will know you're a disciple of Jesus is when they treat you wrong, you love them anyway. When they speak ill of you, you love them anyway. When they're not right towards you, you love them anyway. Oh, no, that takes some, that takes some difference. That's otherworldly. That doesn't operate the way this world works. This world, you, try, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And if you hurt me, I'll hurt you back. But you see, Jesus did not come 
to save this world. He's not trying to fix everything. So there are going to be times that he's going to leave some people with some brokenness just to see whether I'm going to love them or not. He's going to leave some of you be a pill just to see whether I'm going to love you or not. He's going to leave me a pill just to see if you love me or not. I'm not trying to go around, but you know what? If Brother Brian gets a real attitude and goes home and says, Sister Lynn, I can't believe Brother Steve said that about me being tighter than a bark on a tree. I'm just so offended by that. I cannot believe it. Now, I didn't intentionally do that to try to get Brother. I just, it just comes out of me, okay? I just look, and I'm talking about the offering. I look at him. I know he's very frugal. He's very careful with his money. He's wise. And it just came out. And half the time when those stuff come out, I go, oh, man, why did I do that? Because that probably wasn't very smart. That probably wasn't very wise. But then I don't spend too much time on it. Because the moments when that happens, I go, well, I guess we'll find out whether Brother Brian loves Jesus or not. (laughs) Now, in that moment, he don't need to love me. He don't need to love me. He can be irritated as everything. You think you all don't irritate me? I'm already in enough trouble. I won't go any further, but trust me. No. When you love Jesus, you love your brother or your sister because you love Jesus. You may not love them in the moment, but you're going to go ahead and love them because you love him because it's not about you. It's not about them. It's not about this life. It's not about justice in this life. It's not about what's right in this life. It's not about my rights. It's about him. It's about a life to come. You want to know how a Christian's a Christian? By getting a hold of an understanding that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and that he's being patient to give you time to be saved by his grace and by his mercy. He didn't come to fix this world. We're going to hurt one another. If the musicians would come, we're going to trouble one another. We're going to give each other a hard time. And hopefully we're not doing it intentionally, but sometimes even that happens. Sometimes I get mad and I just do something stupid. Don't be, don't, thank you. At least one person's with me. The rest of you is just in denial. I'm not excusing bad behavior. But lift up your eyes. God has sent me here this morning to tell you he didn't come to fix this world. I don't know who needs to hear this. I don't know who needs to be encouraged. He did not come to fix this world. He'll be faithful to you, but he is not focused on fixing this world in every aspect about it. You all, you live long enough, you're going to die. Jesus is not going to make you live forever. You're going to die in this life. But his focus is on the life to come. He's got a new heaven and a new earth planned. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man or in the imagination of the mind of man what things God has in store. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here this morning to tell you that God has a new heaven and a new earth that he is about to create for us, and it's going to be a new existence where everything's going to be put to right. All of our bodies are going to be restored to what they're supposed to be. All of our sicknesses are going to be gone. All of our wrong feelings and brokenness and sin are going to be eradicated, and everything that's wrong here, will be made right there. But you've got to live here with a focus on there, not a focus on here. You can't focus on here or God's going to disappoint you because he's not focused here. So I end with a simple question. What are you focused on? What are you focused on? I'm not here to condemn anybody. 
So I tried to tell you, man, I'm, I'm hung up. I'm focused on getting my kids through college. I'm focused on making sure that I got retirement. I'm focused on making sure I got time with my wife. I got all kinds of, I'm focused trying to do a good job for this church so that I can finish my tenure here whenever that ends and everybody will pat me on the back and say, good job. That's where I'm at. And Jesus, he might give me some of those things and he might not. Because he doesn't really care about this life. He cares about redeeming us out of this life. Buying us back to what we were meant to be. Returning us back to what he made us to be in the first place. And when we get there, we won't care at all about this life. You can't get there on your own. You can't get there on your own. There's nothing you can do to get there, but there is something you can do to stop you from getting there. That is, if you insist, if you focus, if you demand for God to be focused on this life. Why does he require faith? Why does he not always move the mountains? So that our focus shifts from this life to him. To him. You want to make heaven your home? You're going to have to believe in Jesus. What did it say at the beginning? This is how God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish. but have eternal life. It's all about Jesus, folks. It's not about buildings. It's not about lands. It's not about relationships. It's not about money. It's not about wealth. It's not about fame. It's not about success. I love America, but it's not about the pursuit of happiness. I'm very glad that we have a government that gives me freedom and rights But my king, he's a king. My king is not a democratically elected leader. My king does not need checks and balances on him, for he is perfect and good. My king, my king looks at a broken world in which I live and says, I want to restore it, but first I've got to destroy it but I don't want to destroy the people in it. So I'm being patient. Every day we live is a day of patience on the part of our God who says, I've come to get back my image, to save my people, to return to what they are meant to be. So what are you focused on? Are you focused on your bank account? Are you focused on your relationships? Are you focused on your houses and lands? Are you focused upon your success or your education or your get-ahead? Or are you focused on the lover of your soul, the redeemer of your existence, the savior of who you are? Don't lose that which will last for eternity over that which is here today. And gone tomorrow. Be with Job when he said, Those skin worms 
eat this body alive. I know I'll see my Redeemer. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But I will always bless the name of the Lord. What's your focus on? Where are you looking? Where are your eyeballs fixed? How are you living your life here today? Please understand that he's come to save you. He's come for his image. And that's you. Would you return his love? Even right now, would you begin to love him back? Even right now, this altar's open, but even if you're where you're at right now, would you begin to love him back? Would you respond to his call? Would you take those things that have been distracting you and begin to set them aside? Would you begin to call out to this Jesus, this one who loves you with a love that knows no end, and say, God, I love you back. I love you back, Jesus. I give myself to you. Nothing matters more than you.